It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody uh, from all of us here at Locked On Vols, everybody who contributes to the show from the network, from myself, Eric Kane, want to say happy Thanksgiving. So thankful for you guys and your support of the show and we're not going to take Thanksgiving off, all right? We're going to talk a little recruiting and then look ahead to Vanderbilt at the very end of the show. That's what you have to look forward to right here on a Thursday, Thanksgiving, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome into this Thanksgiving edition of Locked on Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Vols. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, please subscribe. It's available anywhere you find your podcast for completely free audio versions. And that's for Locked on Podcast Network. That is your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Bet Online. It's got you covered this season. More props and odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. So it's a little bit of a different type of show today. We're going to talk heavy recruiting, and to do just that, we got to bring on our guy, John Garcia, Director of Recruiting and Scouting over at Sports Illustrated. John, what's going on, man? Just uh, just trying to watch some ball and talk recruiting in between meals, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. It's uh, great to be back on with you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you on, and let's let's start from the top, dude. There is a major major announcement coming out Friday, 5 o'clock Eastern time. Five-star defensive tackle David Hobbs is going to pick between Tennessee, Georgia. Those are the top two. Alabama, North Carolina as well. How do you see this playing out? What do you like about Tennessee's chances for five-star defensive tackle David Hobbs? This thing's been interesting, right? Remember in the summer, he's, he's going to commit. I think it was like August. North Carolina was going to run away and kind of steal him, steal him home, if that makes sense, keep him in state and hide him from the rest, uh, from the SEC, really. And then all of a sudden, everybody caught wind of, of what Hobbs could potentially be 
as a true inside out disruptor on the defensive line and, and the SEC floodgates opened. And since that point, there's been some ebb and flow. I think Tennessee's been the constant, which I, maybe I didn't expect, you know, geographically it makes sense, a Concord kid. Tennessee's been the constant. And then Bama and Georgia have kind of ebb and flowed in their own right. Certainly Georgia is more confident today than Alabama. So like you, I, I see this coming down to both programs, took all the official visits, of course, Love them all. Um, it, it's going to be a photo finish in, in the way I'm looking at it. I do think, though, Tennessee has been able to capitalize on his imagination, right? This season has, has worked perfectly in line with a kid like that who, again, at one point was really okay with staying home, playing for the Tar Heels, and, and letting that be that. Uh, this kind of offers him the next best thing. Uh, Georgia and Alabama are, are in their own stratosphere it's obvious uh, the selling points there. I, I think he's got a little bit of let's build this up in his mentality. So for me, combined with Rodney Gardner, who I think is one of, one of the best D-line recruiters in the country, I think Tennessee becomes the school that I'm expecting on Friday. But I do know as of this week, he hadn't locked it in himself. So privately, I think he's going back and forth a little bit. So uh, that, that can mean anything in college football recruiting. You certainly wouldn't you know, undersell the Georgia Bulldog angle, particularly with a defensive recruit. All right, two things real quick. Where do you guys have him rated on the uh, SI 99? And what do you like in evaluating his game and scouting him? What do you like about what he brings to the table? Yeah, kind of like the SEC powers. We missed him preseason. You know, he wasn't in our preseason SI 99. He will be in the postseason SI 99. He's got top 50 stuff in my mind, right? 6'5", 275 or so. Has the frame to really occupy multiple spots on the defensive front. I really like his quickness, though. I think, you know, we talk about interior guys and, and quickness is never the first thing brought up. It's leverage and power, and he's got plenty of that. But I like his quickness. You know, he's instinctive. He, he wants to make plays. He's not a guy who, no disrespect to the role players out there, he's not a guy who's just trying to occupy a role. He wants, no. he's got some superstar in his game. Uh, so I like that about him. He's ambitious on the field probably needs to clean up technically because of that and it comes with the territory but depending on how its frame fills out at the next level and, and in sec country no disrespect to notre dame and north carolina whoever might have a hat on the table in sec country i think he's going to fill out a little bit more and be just kind of an inside out menace i think he's a guy who's going to line up at zero one three five and and just wreak havoc uh at any of those spots uh, so he's he's a matchup nightmare for most offensive linemen because he does have enough power to overwhelm a smaller player but he's got enough quickness to really uh put a big man uh you know with his head on a swivel trying to figure out where he's gonna go so i really like hobbs's game again i think he's an ambitious pass rusher and disruptor who can play a lot of different spots you know back in my day the coaches would always say hey Go play basketball. You're you're a defensive player on def on uh, on defense. Obviously, yeah. go go play basketball because it helps you with your hands and guarding and out in space and running with receivers, your footwork, all that type of stuff. David Hobbs is a very good basketball player. He plays on the defensive line, but you know how does in your years of covering recruiting, how does basketball players, how does that help them translate into adding maybe another element on the football field? Well, I think co coordination. I mean, it sounds silly to talk about but how many you know big physical maulers are just that you know it's it's if you make any move and put them off course they're done for right yeah it's the coordination of basketball it's the lateral ability obviously the running and jumping and the the, the consistency just from a, a wind department 
is is his own story. But for me, it's the coordination. It's just the ability to redirect, the ability to absorb contact and and move around it or through it without staying off of your own course. You know, I think that is where you see a lot of that uh, really just work well hand in hand, hand feet, leverage, all those things. Your, your stance, your posture matters so much in basketball. You need to maximize that height, maximize that length. I think in football, you can do it in different ways as well. So there's really just – you have to have better body control if you're going to play basketball than football at most positions, particularly in the trenches. So I think as a pass rusher, that's something that is really uh, steady on your arsenal because you're going to bend in some instances. You're going to go straight through in others. Uh, you're going to bound in other scenarios. So I think that part of it, just that balance and coordination, really shines through uh, when you watch Hobbs play. So we'll see what David Hobbs does. Tennessee, Georgia, those are the top two. Five o'clock on Friday evening Eastern time. He will make his decision, and uh, I, like you, I'm expecting Tennessee as well. So that'd be huge. Um, Tennessee did get a commitment on Sunday afternoon. It was a matter of when he would commit, not if, and yes. he pulled a little okey-doke on myself and my colleagues included by going Sunday afternoon. Uh, but it's Khalifa Keith, three-star running back, uh, Tennessee, part of ways – Will Stallings decommitted from the class, and uh, so Khalifa Keith will take his spot. A big-er guy listed at 206 uh, per the on-3 rankings, or 206 is weight over at on-3, but he's he's bigger than that. Yes. Um, this is a good gift for Tennessee. They wanted him. They went out and got him. He parted ways with Kentucky, and now he's said to be a volunteer. A great get. Uh, very, very much an SEC running back, right, in the conventional uh, thought. It reminds me a little bit of Brian Robinson, who played at Alabama, Tuscaloosa kid. Now he's in the league. Uh, with the commanders, which is still weird to say on audio, uh, but he reminds me of him a little bit. Decisive runner, not the flashiest cat out there coming out of Birmingham, but there's some there's some like sneaky wiggle to his game where he is, even though he's six foot or six one, two fifteen, he he sneaks through creases and and on the edges and in space. Uh, guys don't want to deal with him. So he's got uh, some sneaky movement skills, but really what makes him go is is the physicality and the decisiveness that he plays with. There's just not a lot of nonsense in his game. And I think when you're Tennessee, everybody thinks of this high-flying offense uh, that wants to run just to set up the pass. But now if you can create variance in the running game with your smaller gadget guys and your big physical players, now all of a sudden you really put pressure on a defensive coordinator. And, and Keith has really upped his stock in the last year. Um, and, and he's mentioned it. Look, as soon as Tennessee got involved, that was kind of all she wrote in, in this yeah. recruitment. This was, was really done. I think Miami tried to come in late a couple other schools, but um, he, he was, it was a foregone conclusion. He wasn't going to end up at Kentucky uh, and Tennessee did a really nice job of prioritizing him immediately once they did get involved. And I do like this get, again, we, we think of Tennessee conventionally as finesse downfield all that stuff so it's nice to bring variance and counter some of that perception with Khalifa Keith and you know I'm always going to bring up geography great to go into Birmingham and, and get a nice prospect mm -hmm. that has upped his stock that people are, are behind and, and kind of rooting for this is a uh, what three or four Alabamians now in this class you know that's impressive to me in its own right how has the impressive season benefit of recruiting for now and for later that's coming up next here with john garcia as we continue on on this thursday edition of a uh, locked on vol so we'll get more with john here in just a moment but i want to let you guys know about bet online it's got you covered more scores and odds and lines and plays than ever before bet online right now tennessee vanderbilt tennessee still sitting as a 13 and a half point favorite 66 and a half is that total go ahead and jump on that if you like the numbers 
Personally, I like Tennessee by more than 13 and a half. I understand what happened last week, and I do think this is a monster game. I just, as the week has gone on, I just feel like Tennessee is going to go in there and handle business. So I'm going to take Tennessee, uh, if I were to go on this, would be Tennessee um, you know, to cover that spread. So what about you? You can do it all at betonline.net. Uh, also, if you like sports podcasts like the one you're listening to right now, you can find more of those on betonline.net. It's the fastest and the easiest way to get in your betting fix this season. Head on over to the website today, or you can use that mobile device. Learn about the latest trends and all the action. Bet online. it is where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. It's your Thanksgiving edition of Locked on Vol. Super thankful for you guys. Thankful for the sport of football that, gosh, man, it is almost over in terms of the regular season. Hard to believe, but we have a lot to be thankful for, and I, I'm, I'm super thankful for all of you guys for uh, choosing to hang out with us here on the podcast each and every week. I'm also thankful for our guy, John Garcia, over at Sports Illustrated, Director of uh, Recruiting and Scouting. He's joining us to talk a little Tennessee recruiting and uh, when you look at the success, um, albeit Saturday is concluded in that as well, but the success of Tennessee's football season this year, um, I always say that it's going to, you know, you're going to pay dividends in the 24 and 25 classes. You know, a lot of the hay was in the barn for this class already with 21 commits before kickoff this season. What do you think that a year like this can do for the class of 24 and 25? Oh, it's going to be huge. I mean, this this flips the whole perception of Tennessee football and creates benefit of the doubt. For those kids that maybe didn't view Tennessee and that offer as one that sits at or near the top, even in just the SEC or the East for, for that matter, I think that starts to really um, you know create an onus like, hey, we need to get down to Knoxville. We need to see what's going on over there because they've turned this thing around quickly. And it's one of those trajectories, Eric, where it was surprising at the very beginning, I would say, of 2021, but then you just saw it kind of gradually grow. Like it was a very – I would say conventional growth. Um, it's still quick in two years, but you could kind of see it. You could see every step of it. And I think that's almost better than the surprise contender, you know, disrespect to like TCU or anybody. But when you can gradually kind of move up, kids start to see it at different stages, particularly in your footprint. Obviously, you're, you're in Tennessee. You're going to recruit those states, right? Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, the Carolinas. That's the the, the region where you got to hit. And, and those are the kids that are going to be uh, as tuned in for that growth. Uh, so I think it, it pays huge dividends. It's already paying dividends, right? 24 class mm-hmm. off to a really nice start. And I think it also says a lot about the 23 class, right? A lot of these, it's flip season, right? For everyone right now, everybody's talking about going out and flipping other kids recruits. It means you got to watch your own as well. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee had a very ambitious and bold class of 23 already on board before the season, as you mentioned. So You've had to hold on to some of those. I know uh, people have made runs at Caleb Herring. Um, Nico's probably still getting phone calls, I would imagine, from some schools. Ethan Davis, Jordan Matthews. I mean, this is something that every school has to deal with. And to have only one decommitment, which was more of a parting of ways, as you mentioned, yeah. with Stallings, if that's the only quote-unquote blemish, I mean, that is a huge 
recruiting victory for for Josh Heupel and everyone on down. So I think the season has created that benefit of the doubt and and helped to maintain a great class and obviously increase your ceiling for 24 and 25. Kind of on that note, a couple of Alabama kids that I think Tennessee's going to have to fight like heck to hang on to, especially if it is the lane train pulling into um, Auburn, Alabama. You know, one day it is, the next day it's not. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But they're going to try to go out there. Whoever it is is going to make a splash, get some in-state guys to say, hey, stay home, stay home, build this for your state. Ricky Gibson, um, you know, comes to mind. Uh, Sylvester Smith comes to mind. How difficult will it be, in your opinion, having seen this over the years, their coaching changes every single year, to do just that, to hold on to some of these guys where you know that this new regime is going to come in and try to say, hey, we're going to build our class around you. You're going to start this rebound. And and that's kind of hard to say no to. Yeah, you understand it, right? I mean, it's something that is, is, like you said, we deal with it every single year. And kids take it one way or the other. Sometimes I think it's, it's a renewed interest just because that school maybe wasn't as involved right like maybe auburn wasn't as involved for these kids auburn was for the most part particularly gibson and sylvester smith off the top of my head keith was more of a, of a late riser uh, in alabama so i think in that regard you, you'll get more of the same right auburn has already been presented to these guys so it's a different energy maybe a renewed energy but a different energy but the same kind of deal i think oftentimes we see a bigger impact when they're going after kids who maybe they weren't involved with under the previous administration. So I think that could actually be a benefit for Tennessee uh, if and when Auburn uh, names its new coach. Obviously, Lane Kiffin, offensively, you expect uh, you expect a boost on that side of the ball in particular if he's the guy uh, at Auburn. But like you said, it's every day feels different in, in that regard, and he's got a pretty good thing going in Oxford, Mississippi as well. So him having ties to the state, having worked for Saban, all of that, will have a huge impact in the SEC period and maybe flips a lot of the trajectory in the SEC, particularly the West. Um, but I think if it's a more outside-the-box hire, I, I think that the chances are even higher that Tennessee holds on to these guys. Again, I, I think they they were all dealt the Auburn card previously for the most part and have already explored those options, picking Tennessee the, on the front end. Now, if you present it in another way, the, the clock's ticking on top of everything else, right? So yeah. less than a month until signing day. Just not a lot of time to get back over to the planes and, and and really explore what this looks like under Lane Kiffin, not to mention he's got to hire a staff and do all those things. So if you're signing in December, I think you're going to be able to hold on to almost all these guys. It's good news. Uh, Tennessee, 22 commits, still some holes in this class. You'd love, you'd love another offensive tackle. Um, now the transfer portal is going to be a, you know, Tennessee's going to be working that they got to find two tight ends, uh, big time, um, offensive tackle, maybe another running back, uh, question about Stanton Rommel. Um, you know, he, he'll talk, then he'll shut it down. Then he'll talk, then he'll shut it down. Yeah. He was talking with Tennessee, you know, as, early, as late as, you know, a week or two ago. Yeah. I think he's going to shut it down a little bit. How, sold on Michigan State is Stanton Rommel right now and you know again the clock is ticking as well so he's going to be somewhere in January you know going through stuff so is Tennessee I guess what I'm trying to say is is he a flip candidate for Tennessee or really anybody I I still think he is um you know Birmingham kid who's so well traveled and 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 well experienced that has upped his own stock I think in the minds of a lot of people over the last 12 to 18 months he's going to continue to get overtures and Michigan state has been up and down both on the field and, and perceptually, right. You know, a bunch of players just got charged for that incident against Michigan. There's a lot of questions uh, around that Michigan state program and how it moves forward. There could be some, 
uh, coaching changes within that program, not at the top, but within the program that could potentially uh, impact that recruitment as well. So I'd keep an eye on things uh, with with Ramil. He's a kid who uh, I think Auburn uh, could be a player for down the line, depending on who they get. And obviously Tennessee was in the thick of it that entire recruitment. I do still think there's there's opportunities for that that light bulb to go back on and that communication to pick back up. Because like you said, it's it's been up and down and we know there's a need there for Tennessee. And that, again, now with the season that it's had, it's presented in a different way than it was preseason when Tennessee was still very much high on his board and 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 he was high on them, vice versa. It's just it's a different feel when when this season has been put together, especially compared to Michigan State. So I do think as a just a business decision maker, you got to keep that in mind. And he's a smart kid who has a lot of smart people around him and and uh, that Thompson program that has been through everything from a recruiting standpoint, I do think they would urge him to at least keep the door slightly open. So he's one that we'll see on, on the 21st. Last thing for you, man. Um, again, as I just mentioned, there's still a couple holes. Tennessee would like to, you know, sure. running back offensive tackle for sure. Um, you know, tight ends, pass rusher, you know, the, there's some holes to fill, but as far as the, on the prep front, Man, I mean, I, there's always a possibility of flipping somebody at the end or, you know, whatever. But, I mean, it, it's pretty – the talk is kind of dead in terms of the prep front outside of David Hobbs and Khalifa Keith here. I think Tennessee's going to try to conclude this class by, like, if an Elijah Davis from JUCO could come in here, that'd be good. But a lot of transfer portal uh, opportunities there for Tennessee. I guess what I'm saying is, is there any names that Tennessee might need – Tennessee fans might need to start, you know, researching a little bit in terms of, hey, Tennessee could jump in at the 11th hour with this prospect from high mm-hmm. school – and maybe flip him before uh, the 21st. Yeah, I mean, after grabbing Keith, I feel like it it does slow down. I guess we're we're conceding Sam and Pemba on this show. Are we conceding in that regard? <laughs> I absolutely not, but I, yeah, I, I, know, yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, w- I would say keep an eye on him um, as well. But really, no, I, I think this is a great group. It's it's for me. It's about maintenance. Um, obviously, there's a lot of balance. Uh, Ten states represented on this commitment list is crazy to consider. I would have bet against that if there were some over under odds six months ago uh for me it's about maintenance you got what 22 guys on board right now 23 is very likely in my opinion and i think you could start to keep the door open uh thereafter there's always late risers and and juco players that can come into play but as you mentioned the portal december 5th i mean once that thing opens up i think it's going to impact even this recruiting class we always talk about how it impacts the following i think it's going to impact the 23 class because there's there's so much time 16 days is a long time for these decisions to come down so the portal will impact this class and i think the carousel always impacts the class we haven't even seen the end of it it will open up much more this weekend with the regular season coming to a close so i think those things will will factor in just as much as maybe a late riser who we're not talking about John, fun as always, man. Great information. What do you got coming up on Sports Illustrated over the uh, the holiday today and, of course, the last weekend of the regular season? Yeah, get, getting close uh, to the end here. So all the countdown to signing day stuff is about to hit full force. We're going to re-update uh, those rankings December 1st and, and go downhill from there towards National Signing Day. should be fun. A lot of content coming for you at si.com slash college. John, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Eric. Uh, That is John Garcia, the Director of Recruiting and Scouting for Sports Illustrated. Always, always, always a fun time to talk with John. Hey, we'll take a look at Vanderbilt. We'll talk talk with a very important guest coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. The NCAA Tournament is almost here. 
and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we got a final segment left here of this Thanksgiving Day edition of Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with us here today. So we did a little Tennessee recruiting. Let's get back to the game at hand this weekend, Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And on to break down a little bit more about the Vanderbilt Commodores. Got Joe Rexroad. You can hear him on ESPN's 102.5 The Game in the mornings in the mid-state. And, of course, you probably read a bunch of his stuff over at The Athletic. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm actually stunned by how interesting this game seems to it may be. <laughs> I did not yeah. expect that at all. Yeah, I don't think anybody did, especially a couple of weeks ago, uh, a month ago. It would be like unheard of to say, hey, this is a big time football game for Tennessee and Vanderbilt. But uh, here we are. Um, just real quick on Tennessee last week, South Carolina. From your vantage point, I mean, and and when you went back and wrote and rewatched and everything, I mean, what went wrong for Tennessee defensively? That was that was abysmal. Yeah, look, it was it was awful, and it was I equated it to like you know if you're you're a basketball team, and early in a game you let a uh, a, a decent shooter get a couple wide open looks, and all of a sudden they go like eleven from fifteen from three against you. Yeah. That's like what Spencer Rattler all of a sudden like he was in a complete zone, but you, they also let him get in the zone. That you know third and twenty. I mean it was just and look, um, I one thing that we've come to expect is that Tennessee will at least affect the quarterback. We know they've had secondary issues all year, right? But they didn't affect him. They didn't affect him at all. And I I know it's just one person, but that is one thing that Jeremy Banks does very well, right? He's a really good blitzer. He's good at timing it up and getting home. And so they missed him along with all the other stuff that goes with that. But ultimately it's just, it's just a terrible and inexcusable performance at the worst time. Well, now Tennessee needs to bounce back. And normally, you know, trying to end the season on a high note against Vanderbilt is no issue at all. Vanderbilt has won two straight after not winning an SEC game since 2019, knocked off previously ranked Kentucky, and then held a two-score lead in the second half for a long time against Florida and, and end up holding up, holding out that one and winning that one. What's going on with Vanderbilt? What's the talk around the mid-states? What's been right for the Commodores the last two weeks in comparison to the last two years? Yeah, it's been – well, first of all, I mean, they are much better. I mean, it, I, mean, I think it's pretty clear by now, like, Clark Lee knows what he's doing. He, it's a it's a pretty well-coached team, and they've gotten better and better. I mean, they're more competent defensively than I thought they could be based on their personnel this year, so that's one thing. When you look at Florida, Florida's been erratic, and they're on the football all year on everybody. And, I mean, 45 yards, you know, that's stunning to me. Now, then you also – you're going to have to get a bounced ball in the air and Jalen Mahoney picks it off. You get the punt where you get a, a free touchdown out of it. I mean, you're going to have to have stuff like that if you're Vanderbilt. But still, the fact that they ran it – because Ray Taylor is a good player, uh, without question, good running back. Their running game is better than I thought it would be this year. The defense has gotten a lot better, and they've played two really good games in a row against Kentucky and Florida. And then you have Mike Wright, who loses the starting job to A.J. Swan, promising freshman. Swan gets hurt. Wright comes back in. It's this redemption story. And 
he's not perfect, but he can rip off a 60-yard run on you, and he made some huge throws, in particular in the Kentucky game, late to, to pull that game out. So they've had a lot of things going their way. Um, it's just a much better team than I thought, really, that they realistically could be at any point this season. I want to talk about Mike Wright here in just a second, but real quick, I mean, it was announced at SEC Media Days from Clark Lee that Ken Seals is not going to be the starting quarterback, but where's Ken Seals gone? I mean, he's he's on the roster. He's third stream, but, I mean, is he is, is that freshman much better than Ken Seals? That's just – he had a really good fre- – I say really good. He had – he played as a freshman, and he did some things, and then, you know, we haven't seen him at all this year at all. Yeah, you know, and I thought he was promising as a freshman. It was a bad team, but I thought under the circumstances, as a true freshman, he was impressive. Um, and last year, he he wasn't. You know, he he fell off. Now, there were injuries that were part of that, too. But Mike Wright eventually kind of became the clear better option than him. And, and some of that is just you can just do different things. And you, the quarterback run element, I think, is important for Vanderbilt. Um, so he passed him and it was his team and his offense. You kind of knew in the offseason, like it's going to be Mike Wright's team. I will say about AJ Swan, I think you got to remember he's the he's the one of these three guys that this staff recruited, right? Yeah. They didn't recruit the other two guys. I will say when I watched him in camp, I said, okay, he's got a different level of talent. Um, and at, at some point it might be real good. He also was throwing some bad picks and looking like a true freshman at times. I'm like, okay, he's not going to be ready. But, yeah, I just think that Seals has kind of leveled off and, and has kind of just been passed by and forgotten, you know. So they've got – they're better off with Mike Wright, but then they also have the freshman who is exciting. I mean, he's had some stretches this year where you're like, okay, you, okay, pretty good. Now hide him, Vanderbilt, so someone else doesn't try to recruit him off your roster, you know. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting because seals has just kind of been sitting there as a support guy. And I, I, you know, I assume that he will find another place to to finish out his eligibility after this season. So Mike Wright, uh, you mentioned his running ability and how that's a big part of what Vanderbilt tries to do. And he's the second leading rusher, got almost 500 yards. He scored five times, um, you know, throwing the football, not as impressive, of course, about 964 yards, 12 touchdowns four interceptions uh how big is it going to be for with the uh, jet sweeps uh and the read options that attacking the edge and then the perimeter i feel like tennessee's defensive ends will have to do a great job in this football game because mike wright will test them where in the wildcat albeit but south carolina got past tennessee missouri did as well two weeks ago yeah for sure i mean we know you know the tennessee with the running quarterback that has been the last couple of years at times a, a big issue and yeah, all those things are part of it. You know, I mentioned Ray Davis. And I, he just, it's a nice, he is a powerful runner too. And so it's a nice kind of, the, the read option stuff with Mike Wright and him is a nice combo. I mean, Mike Wright's the home run hitter of, the, of that duo, you know. Yeah. But Ray Davis can get, you know, two, three extra yards um, on his own. And he's also a good pass catcher out of the backfield. So yeah, I, I think all that stuff's going to be in play. You still like it's interesting because you know if you're Vanderbilt looking at this game, you could also make the case. Well, did you see what Tennessee's pass defense did last week? A little bit more efficient pass-based offense might be not a bad idea. And AJ Swan is practicing this week, um, but I mean, I fully expect Mike Wright to play, you know, to start. And I think you know they're going to try to lean on that stuff. And of course, Eric, you got the possibility of pretty rainy weather. Saturday yeah. night. So it may be as simple as which one of these teams can run it better. 
That's a good point. That's a really, really good point. The weather could play a factor. That's not the greatest thing for a backup quarterback in Tennessee, albeit that backup quarterback has started a two power five program. So, you know, he's played in some things. You mentioned Tennessee's past defense, and it's funny because Vanderbilt's past defense is like 129th out of 132, 303 yards or 302 yards, 0.2. And then Tennessee's is one slot behind him, 303 yards, 0.4. For Tennessee, I mean, it's going to run its offense. It might not look the same with with Joe Milton in there because Hendon Hooker is a better player. But for Tennessee, it's like, sure, you like to run the football, but that Vanderbilt pass defense is not good either. So I feel like even if Brew McCoy or Cedric Tillman, whoever's out there for Tennessee, a wide receiver with Joe Milton, I feel like there'll be some opportunities there. Oh, without question. Yeah, I mean, as, as long as it's not a monsoon, then I think you're going to be able to run your offense. And you mentioned, you know, Joe Milton was at Michigan, so he has played in, you know, some bad elements. And yeah, look, you, you run your offense and you put them in a bind and you know, you know how it works. I mean, that, that the, the box is light and, and Vanderbilt, you know, look, with their personnel issues, they've got some good players. Anthony Orgy is a terrific player for Vanderbilt. You know, it's always like they usually have like a couple guys, right, on defense who are like, okay, that's a legit dude. He's a legit dude. Mm-hmm. And they've got some, some other young players who I think are going to be good, but on both fronts, you know, Tennessee has the edge and you just run the offense and do what you do. And Tennessee should be able to have a lot of offensive success against that defense. All right, Joe, last thing, when you think about what Saturday is going to be like, um, you know, Tennessee will go in there. There's a lot of Tennessee fans will take over that stadium and all, but it is senior day. Vanderbilt is fighting for bowl eligibility. Vanderbilt has won two straight games. Um, what do you envision this environment like in Nashville when Tennessee rolls in there in a couple of days? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, Eric. Obviously, there was the talk about you know Checker Vanderbilt Stadium, and you know for most of the season, as you alluded to earlier, it, it looked like essentially this is going to be just Vanderbilt playing out the string. You know, get to another off season and see if you can keep improving. Tennessee playing for a playoff spot and mm-hmm. just a just a thumping. I mean, I would have guessed the line to be around thirty a couple weeks ago and it's it's around two touchdowns um and also if you look at the prices the ticket prices dropping that tells me that the demand from Tennessee fans has gone down a fair amount does that mean more of a like I mean it's going to be a, a home field atmosphere I think for Tennessee but is at least is there a little bit more of a Vanderbilt presence now I, I don't know um but it's it look it's a it's a fascinating game I mean I think this is a couple things about Tennessee. We're going to find out some about Joe Milton because this is this is his opportunity, this in the yeah. bowl game, to lead into next year where I believe he is the favorite to be the starter next year. And then we're going to find out, too, about Josh Hype on this program and, and responding to what happened last week because the coaches know how important this is. But for a lot of these players who, you know, playing for the playoff, I mean, this, this can't be easy psychologically. So, um, that's going to be very interesting. And then Vanderbilt, obviously, like you said, they're surging. They haven't won three straight SEC games since 2013 when James Franklin was the coach. And this does have a little bit of the 2016 vibe um, with Derek Mason. It's Butch Jones at Tennessee coming in with the sugar ball on the line. I, I think this is a much better Tennessee team than that one um, and much more capable of just coming in and handling business. But we'll see. We will see Tennessee and Vanderbilt 730 Eastern. That's coming up a Saturday and Tennessee is going to try to conclude the regular season on a high note. Joe, appreciate you joining me here on a holiday. What have you got coming up on the athletic? Always love reading your stuff over there. 
Yeah, well, thanks. Actually, actually, I do have a story coming up about Mike Wright and the other Mike Wright who was quarterback Vanderbilt in the 70s. So, uh, you know, the, the the rare, you know, quarterback of the same name who uh, have become friends at Vanderbilt. So I got that. And, of course, coverage of the balls Vanderbilt and, and uh, Titans uh, Bengals coming up this weekend. Sounds All good. Right. All right. That is Joe Rexroad of The Athletic and of ESPN's 102.5 The Game. Uh, he does a fantastic job covering <laughs> – Tennessee, Vanderbilt, uh, Titans, Preds, all that type of stuff. Um, you can go check out his work and follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rexroad. All right, guys, appreciate it. Been a fun Thanksgiving holiday edition of Locked On Vols. We've talked recruiting with John Garcia, talked a little bit of the Vanderbilt game with Joe Rexroad. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like this video, hit subscribe. Let's continue to build this audience up. And, um, Gosh, I'm so thankful for you guys. Appreciate you. We will be back again tomorrow. We'll talk with Boogie Bentley, and I'll give you my keys and that Vanderbilt preview. All that and more on tomorrow's Locked On Balls. Until then, guys, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.